Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. And welcome back to the Divorce Course Podcast, episode number three. And today we're going to be talking about with Lynn Galvin, my mum. Hello. <laughs> um, and oh, me as well, Laura. So the question of who moves out. And we've already talked about, you've told them that you're going. We've already talked about that before telling them you're going, what to gather. Now is the time to decide, okay, we're not obviously going to live together in a house. Mind you, some people do for a bit, mm. but you really need to come up with a who moves out. So yeah. how... How do we decide that? How do you decide that? Okay, so I think it comes down to practicality for a lot of people. Um, I think it also happens in stages, Laura. I think in the first couple of weeks, I think the person who moves out ends up at their parents or at a friend's place on the couch. And gradually, I think people work out, okay, that's not that's not going to hold. Mm. Um, but you need to find out who can afford to stay in the house really, um, and and what's the benefits. So if it's, for instance, if there's kids and it's close to the school, um, then practically maybe the parent who's going to have most care of the children stays in the house. If someone generally works away or um, has perhaps work in the city, uh, it's probably more practical for them to be the ones to move out. So you, you look at it that way. Um, affordability I touched on, uh, that the court expects whoever stays in the house to pay the mortgage, the rates, insurance and everything. It's really hard if you're doing that on one income. Oh, yes. So that's why it's good if you've got the info that you've gathered in advance to have a look and know, okay, it's going to cost this much money to, you know, um, stay in the house. Can, Can I afford it? Yep. Because if you can't afford it, you don't want to be the one that's in that house. No. Um, if you've been the one, if the other person's the one who's had the big income and you've been the one keeping the household running... Mm and you you want to stay in the house, you can bring an application to the court for support or an order even uh, that the other person continues to pay the mortgage. But it's a bit of a stopgap measure. And how long how long would that take if, to, if you oh. were say so you so you're not working you're the well you are working but you're looking after the kids you, you're not the main income earner you live in a house you want to stay in the house your partner's mm. happy your ex is happy to leave but you're going to have to pay for it all but you're not have your settlement mm. yet how mm. long would you have just to to cope with that situation and if, well, while you wait for court well it depends doesn't it if the other if the other person says oh, i'll keep chipping in anyway even though the court doesn't require me to because remember of course if the mortgage is in two names the bank expects both people to pay oh, that's true yep. yes uh, but if it becomes awkward and and i see this pretty often mm-hmm. um well that's it i'm not paying the mortgage someone says the person in the house is left very vulnerable mm. and the and the question you asked sorry laura was uh, how long and mm. i'm thinking eight to nine weeks okay so and that's, that's a, a long lot. time uh, if that's you think like you, a couple of payments that you, you it know, is you got to be on ball with yep you don't want to be damaging your credit reputation or anyone else's mm. you know the other party's reputation for that matter even if they're being awful mm. to you uh sometimes that's that's a really good reason to have, like we said in the previous podcast, to take the money in the account yeah. so that you've got enough to cover it while we get, get sorted in yeah. court and so forth. I mean, I say court, 
but not everyone's going to end up in court, but it might be mediation. Yes. Or it might be letters through from the solicitors. And, you know, it, it just takes a while. So so mediation, mm. so so you've got your options. Mm. You can you can try and go to a mediator. Yep. Um, yep. And in Australia, how do we, how do you access that? What's right. the best So way? we're not talking about kids' rights. Yep. We're talking about the property. property. Yep. yep. So there are a couple of ways of doing mediation about property. One is to contact a mediator straight away. Yep. And... Uh, sort out those early phases yeah um so some um family relationship centers will do that talking about property in the yeah. short term uh sometimes relationships australia and relationships uh, australia like which one's one that would be relatively cheap if you didn't have look relationships australia are fairly reasonably mm-hmm. priced as are the other ones the relationship um centers uh an expensive option but sometimes a very effective option is to engage a solicitor and have them uh, choose or you choose a mediator. And so your partner has a lawyer, you have a lawyer, you have the mediator's attention for a half a day or a day. Mm. Uh, and with, usually the mediators are lawyers for property. So you've got three, the undivided attention of three lawyers. Three lawyers. Three lawyers. <laughs> yes, three, you oh get no. three, me. Three, three lawyers <laughs> for the day. <laughs> and and it's amazing what people can achieve in a good structured mediation. But you know what? There's a lot to be done to prepare for that mm. because if there's uncertainty about any of the assets, yeah. you can't really settle. So could you, could you before you had to go to mediation or to a lawyer, if you're desperate and you can't come up with the, who's going to stay in the house mm. or who's going to help with the mortgage, is there some way you could get an agreement between the two of you without involving any legal services? Oh, of course. But there are always – lots of people do. Yeah. Lots of people work it out amicably. I'm sure – um, in those early stages, you know, they don't yeah. go and see a lawyer right away. Yeah. Uh, the trouble with that is these ad hoc arrangements or, you know, agreements between husband and wife or, you know, partners is that there's no enforceability about them. And so it allows what I call the good girl, bad girl or good boy, bad boy game. Mm. So as long as everything's hunky-dory and as long as you're doing what the person who's got the power, that's the money, mm. wants, then the mortgage will be paid. And they'll give you some but, money. Yeah. That's right. But, but if you step out of line. That's right. Or they'll pay it a day late or two days late. And mm-hmm. it's terribly stressful mm. for people. Mm. So I don't recommend it except in the very, very short term while everyone gets over the shock. Okay. All right. So so basically when it comes to who moves out, you think mm. about the practicality. Does somebody yep. else have another option? Because that's best. Yep. You convenience. Know, convenience. Mm-hmm. Who's closest. Uh, if the kids need to go to school or if someone's closer to their work or that kind of thing. Um, and then affordability, remembering you've got to pay. Yep. You, yep. yep. You do have to pay those things. And, and um that often is the the, the, the clincher. Clinch. Yeah. And when you look at rents, that's another thing you could do as you're planning to go. Look mm. at your renting options. So you don't probably want to live in a, a big house uh, in those early stages and you mm. might want to move into something more affordable so you can afford the the power bills or yeah. you don't or want to run the pool. Yeah. And sometimes too, I forgot to mention this, but some people run a business from the house mm. and not always does it involve stock or, or a workshop or whatever, but if there is that sort of thing, well, 
then the house obviously needs to stay in the hands of that person. Yeah. People separate under one roof a lot. Yes. I meet mm. a lot of people who do that and, and it might work for them for a bit, but eventually mm. what Ugh. if you get a boyfriend no. <laughs> like, or if they have a no. girlfriend and you're like, oh, I don't like this anymore. Do you know, it's a bit of an unsavoury thing, but I always say to people, well, it's a bit like taking a Band-Aid off one hair at a time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard um, and and it's... It's really not sustainable. Also, I think if you're like I've had friends who've been in controlling, manipulative yeah. relationships, and they might have separated under one roof, but it's incredibly hard to say no and move, and you end yep. up back with them, yep. and they end up back with them. And I think sometimes, yeah, you just got to rip it off like a band aid and just get it done so that you know they can move forward with the ultimately who should keep it. Mm. So mm. there's the affordability. Um, if, if you're, if, see, I look at it this way. I, I've, I've seen some people treat their divorce. It's not final. The the first couple of months after you've separated, you're not going to find your dream next house. You're not even going to know what you're going to be doing in the next six months. So, so like you said, if you can afford to get a smaller place, Mm -hmm. put everything in storage, just have what you need. Yep until you get your bearings back and get back on your feet and know where you're back at that's a good idea I mean obviously it's harder with kids but yeah Yeah. I think a lot of my friends have found it easier just to get a smaller place a short-term rental pack everything up till they can sort it out yep and you you use the right word there short term short term because you get people like uh, we have Um, clients come in for an hour-long interview just to know where they stand. We Mm. have a talk to them in my practice. And they'll go crazy, and I say this to them all the time, you'll go crazy if you try to think of all the permutations and options and things that might happen and all the decisions you have to make um, ultimately. So instead, think about the short term, so three months to a year maybe, where you're going to be and, you know, just get that sorted and then when you're in a comfortable, safe environment, uh, if it needs to be safe, you might be in a townhouse in a gated community, then you can start focusing on the big issues like, is is the house going to be sold mm. or can one of us afford to keep it? Mm. And if we can afford to keep it, is the other partner going to ever accept that it's just your home mm. or is there going to be resentment there? So, so that, there you're starting to talk about the pros and cons. Of, yes. So, so basically if, if they've gone through the practicality and the affordability, both of you can afford to stay in the house. Right. But it's practical for both of you to, or either of yeah. you to stay. Um, either of you are happy to keep it. Yes. So then what are the pros of staying in the home yep. and what are the cons of choosing to stay in the home? Okay. So the pros of staying in the home, well, one for a start is is that you're not going to have stamp duty. Well, there's no stamp duty cost, but your agent's cost of selling the house. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to have to worry about selling and packing right. and, and moving. And the loss of money. Yeah. If, and if you stay in the house and you buy your partner out, mm. Um, well, I always prefer my clients to do that, mm. and this is why, and it sounds a bit corny, <laughs> so bear with me. But, you know, the person who moves out packs sort of a finite sort of amount of stuff and leaves, but the person who stays gets the extra tap fittings, the egg lifters, they get the... Um, what is an the, egg lifter? The hose. Don't you know? <laughs> a spatula things, oh, you know, the, yeah. the utensils. Yes. They, get, yeah. they get the hose from the downstairs. Bits. Yeah. The camping... 
the, yeah. the tent, the, the camping toilet, I don't yeah. know. But the toilet brush. Yes, that's right. And you're yeah. right. And, and if you don't and you move into another place, you'll be surprised at how much your grocery bill goes up because every week you're going to have to buy, oh, we need a toilet brush, like you say. I need oh, a laundry basket. Yes, I, I, I don't have any hoses for downstairs. I haven't got pegs. Yeah. Do you know? It's I don't, those, no cleaning products. That's got, right. Going, yeah. yeah, yeah. Setting yourself up again is very expensive. And, and what about um, later on in property? Does that get counted back into the property if you've got the toilet brush and the no you know what pegs. it doesn't it doesn't and <laughs> okay. and it just gets lost in okay. the whole thing but it has a real value to you yeah i think i think yeah. you've and you've set up your house systems so yeah. it's less of a strain to you if you to can stay afford in the place, it if you and can if afford it and especially if you think you're going to be the one who can ultimately buy it so and, so if you if it's practical for you to stay but you can't if you, you you're going to have to sell it so yes. you decide to stay but like so if you're the one who stays but then you've both agreed to sell it because you can't afford to buy yeah. them out what what happens then what are you responsible for doing all of that well generally i mean yes the reality is the person in the house is probably going to be the one to pack everything up remembering of course that you're packing up all those bits and pieces that will ultimately go to your new house that's true but it's a bit of a bad job isn't it mm. um, unless you get on extremely well and you would have the other person back into the house uh i don't usually recommend that because people can start can, fighting over things they can start fighting over what was an amicable arrangement or um or feeling intruded upon mm. you know even and husbands who or husbands and wives who go back to clean or mow the lawn mm. it, it becomes messy yeah. so if you're the one that's got to pack up the house for sale you really don't get much credit for that yeah uh, in so the that's overall not thing. added back but into the no property it's either. not and okay. we don't the court doesn't like to do furniture fights so yeah. whoever moves out in my experience gets the like the second fridge, yeah. the the spare bed, yeah. you know, and they don't take much yeah. and typically move to a townhouse or a smaller house. Which in some ways, I mean, like you've talked about the benefits of mm. staying at home and keeping the toilet cleaner and the pegs and all the little things that you mm. don't think about. But in some ways, if, if your option is, okay, I've got to move out into a smaller place and start again, yep. it's also a nice feeling as well. You're not left behind with all the with memories. With all the crap. <laughs> and all the crap. Yeah. I yeah. mean, um, I've had a friend uh, who I helped and she had a, a massive house, massive house. And she, I had to help her clean out, like, you know, just drawers of things that have been there for 10 years yes. and just crap that, you know. Sediment. And, and just yeah. skips and skips worth yeah. of just rubbish. Yeah. And, and you think, oh, why did I? decide to help her (laughs) but no look I love my friends but it's you know and I've had another friend who left yes and she did have to start again and you know she's only just bought her fry pans now (gasps) so and she's been out for two years so I guess there's you got to weigh out what what you're gonna be happy with and both ways suck both ways are gonna suck and and if you think that in an ultimate property settlement on that day when you finally get before a judge two or two or more years down the track that he is or she is going to let you mention what you got and what you didn't receive and what happened to the second fridge and so forth. Well, no, that won't happen. It doesn't even register register. on there. The judges don't, don't they, that I think from what I've seen, I don't think they give a 
They have a flying they heart. About, they don't have the time no. but to care about who got the second cutlery set or, right. the, or the doll from Aunt May. But if you do have to replace stuff, I mean, some people just go to one of the furniture shops and buy a kit. Yep. yep. <laughs> buy, or buy, say, a package. That's a great you know, idea. A divorce a, kit. Start again. <laughs> we could start a new business. <laughs> well, you can just go to Kmart and of get everything and then slowly, slowly yeah. replace the things that do matter to you if you want really valuable yes. stuff. Otherwise, just Kmart's great. But don't forget, it's the stuff you've left behind, if you move out, mm. is secondhand. Mm-hmm. So... Replace it with secondhand stuff. There's no ah. skin off your nose. I think I think Facebook Marketplace in your area is fabulous. Yes. And there's a, a Facebook groups called the Unconsumers. Yep. And you, they give things away. Yep. We're in also, a world full of things mm. and you just need to, you know, People, um, be there for it and have a use for it. And Facebook, the Facebook Marketplace, and I don't know if we're meant to be mentioning brands, but uh, Facebook Marketplace and other like Gumtree and stuff, yeah. I've heard of where couples have gotten together after a divorce, two couples have gotten together and they've got double the stuff. Yeah. And then so they're trying to offload stuff. Of so yeah, you don't have to get everything brand new. No, no. And um, to be fair, um, uh, my friend that uh, I helped when she moved out, she never got a microwave and hasn't used one since. So, <laughs> well, you know, you, you don't have to replace everything. It, it's Murray Kondo. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't need this. I yes. get rid of it. So, yes. yeah. So that's, that's the big thing is, is it's only stuff at the end of the day. It's just stuff. And, yeah. and, uh, you just need to move forward with what you have. So what do you do if you want to stay? Hmm. And you've looked at all the options and your partner's, your ex-partner who you're still living with is being stubborn and won't leave and you can't afford to leave yourself, mm. but what, but you want them out. Mm. What, how do you, how, how do you get around that? That's really hard, isn't it? That's yeah. really hard. That's when, uh, I, you know, I'm thinking of a case in the last few months that I read about uh, where you go to court and there's a thing called an ouster order. Ouster. Ouster, yeah, which I always think of as out order. Sounds like uh, insect repellent. Yes. Well, same effect. <laughs> Gets rid of pests. Gets rid of pests. And, and that might be an order of the court uh, as part of a DV, domestic violence order, for instance, mm. that a person leave the house. Uh, also, the family court can do it. Uh, they don't expect people to live together anymore yeah uh if if they can't and if one person's being stubborn and and you're the one with the greater claim to the house and they have other options Mm. then you can go to court and seek a sole occupancy order okay the the one that i remember reading about both parties wanted sole occupancy of the house Mm. and so the trial was a real throw of the dice for both of them because once you go to once you go to court you leave it in the hands of the judge so that's that, something that it's, hits home to a lot of people. Oh, you go, oh, you can either compromise or come up with the solution or yep. you literally are rolling the dice when you go to court. Is that, That's it. And what and what happened in that one of them obviously? Well, luckily um, it was the client that we had a, a yeah. bit of an association with, um, but it could easily have gone the other way. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the lawyer probably had a few sort of... <laughs> qualms about the, the application so but, you know they can't continue to live together eh? okay yeah. so you can get an ouster you can go to the family court and try and get them out um 
What are other options if you are desperate and you just need to get out and you've got nowhere to go, you don't have any family? Oh, where oh. Is, what, what are, you, what are well, your options? I think you're looking then at, at women's shelters. Okay. Yeah. So there are places out there that yes. can give you some temporary yes. accommodation to you get back on to your feet? To get on your feet, yes. I That's mean, good. it's a terrible thing, but mm. I think we could do with more of them Yes. in, yeah. our, um, in our world. But there are other options. Reach out, particularly... You're only really going to be in that situation if there's some sort of domestic violence, usually the controlling, manipulative type that where they won't move out and and you can't. Um, And the DV people, um, if you reach out, there's numbers all over the place. Just Google it uh, and they will put you in in the right direction for agencies. But it's a very real problem. And all of this is predicated on you having enough money to go to court in the first Mm. place to get the order. Um, if you don't have enough money to go to court, are there other people you can go and find to help you for well, free? Legal aid, of course. Okay. And community legal services. So would you just Google legal aid? Absolutely. Yep. yep. And okay. community legal services and a lot of law firms, uh, family law firms, at least in Brisbane, mm-hmm. um, will, if you ring up, you can talk to a lawyer yep. for, for 15 minutes or so and get some pointers. Yeah. Do you know? Or, uh, you and, can, or you can listen to our podcast. Or you can listen to our podcast. <laughs> Another thing that happens is you can, if if one person's got all the money and the control, you can bring an application to the court to get some money for you to fight your case with. Okay. 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 And if there's no money um, and there's a high income, so for instance, every time you go to court, they've got a barrister and a solicitor and you're on your own, Mm. for instance, Uh, the court can make orders that they call like a dollar for dollar order. So every time he pays his lawyer a dollar, He's got to pay your lawyer a dollar. So oh, That's helpful. And, yes, it's good. Uh, I always say the Family Law Act, it's been around since 1975, and almost every problem that can arise has has, has gone happened. through. That's right. And the court has tried and the Act has tried to solve those problems or give you a way forward. And and if all else fails, documents are on the online. Yeah. Uh, there are really good <clears throat> do-it-yourself kits yep. online in the courts, Federal Circuit Court. You could bring the application yourself mm. and then some law firms um, will let you, say, make your hour appointment or whatever and they'll check over the orders that you seek. Ah, so, so you can do it yourself do and it go yourself. and check with a lawyer and, and then it's not going to cost you so much. That's right. It and takes a lot of courage yeah. but a lot of people do it successfully. Yeah. And that... Um, just to plug our online <laughs> divorce course, yes. we, we will have the the steps and the processes and mm. the how-tos um, to try and work a way around making it as uh, as cost-effective and as yep. stressless as possible by getting mum to talk you through those things yep. and show you how to do those things um, mm. so that you can, you know... Get get what get the achieved outcome of of being able to move on with the rest of your life. Yep. So so in summary, just having a look at these kind of things, mm. if you if you are in um, that situation where you're the one who's going to leave the house, um, how long is it usually? Do you think uh, before you get a mediation to settle and split your property up? or go to court to split your property up if you're the one who leaves and you're living in a rental and yes. you're waiting yes. so and that you can buy a house. Yes, and, of course, you, you're having to make a decision, aren't you? Is yes. it a six-month rental, 12-month yeah. rental, whatever? Or how long's your lease going to be? Yes. Yeah. I like to see that my clients don't have pressures on themselves. Yeah. So I would say 
plan for at least a year. Yeah. But get yourself a to year? a lawyer. I know. Oh I'm sorry. Gosh. But, but. Who invented this? No, just kidding. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't take that long to see a lawyer and start proceedings. We can do that in a day Mm. or two. Okay. Mm. So you're saying basically give yourself a year, Mm. but if you are one of the people who wants to put your head in the sand, Mm -hmm. you could possibly, if you don't start doing something about it, you could end up waiting more. Yep. I've seen people who... Like if either they are avoidant mm-hmm. or their partner is avoidant yeah. and they just all get comfortable and stay there. You know, eight years I've seen. And cars are still in each other's names. Yes. And houses are still it's, under each other's yeah. names. And, and it's messy. And every couple has their own or every individual has their own appetite for uncertainty. Mm. There's some people who just want it sorted. Yeah. And there yeah. are other people who... Uh, are quite happy with that sort of ambiguity. They're happy to leave it mm. all messed up. And but then the, I've seen that go disastrously uh-huh, yes. when a new potential wife or husband yes. comes on the scene, and you go, "Oh, by the way," or they'll say, "By the mm-hmm. way, I've got this house and I own it with bugalugs, mm-hmm. and we've never, never sorted, sorted it out." Yes. Or you know, I've actually seen someone where they've not even been divorced yet and, you yes, know, like yes. five years down the track yes. oh I forgot to do that whole divorce <laughs> thing and just to just to clarify because I didn't understand this and um I know we're already into episode three but with divorce I've learned and correct me if I'm wrong that saying you're divorced does not mean everything's settled in court oh, no. <laughs> it doesn't you don't yeah. you don't go you get this much money you get this much money you have the kids this much yeah. you have the kids much and here's your divorce certificate yeah. congratulations off you go the divorce is a completely separate thing it, it is in australia okay so in um, south africa for instance your divorce document deals with the kids the property oh. and divorce and other countries as well and some states in the U- united states yeah but in australia uh, the divorce process um, is a separate application. Yeah. Uh, and you can have two different lawyers, one acting for the divorce and one acting for your property and other things. That hurts or, my brain. <laughs> or you could do it yourself. We, we often say to clients, look, don't waste your money yeah. having us represent you in divorce. So a divorce is simply, well, I shouldn't say simply because it's heart-wrenching, Uh, no matter how much you wanted it, but it is the document that says you are no longer married Mm. and that you can get remarried if you want to. Okay. But that often happens, someone's, you know, people are back and forward maybe with property settlement or children's matters, writing letters, planning mediation, and someone goes, oh, the year's up and lodges the document for a divorce. Oh, because you've got to wait that year. You've got to wait that year, but you don't have to wait a year for property settlement and children. So that's probably the biggest misconception that I hear. Yeah, people go, oh, I'm going to get divorced, but they think that means everything. Yes, that's right. And you're like, no, I don't think that's how it works. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. No, and we might even do an episode in the in the future on just how to get that sorted. Oh yes, because but, the document's easy. Yeah, uh, it's the serving and all those other processes that are a little bit hard to follow. But I think we could talk people through it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's just go back to um, who's going to move out. Yeah. In but regards to the the types of personality, the types of divorces we've talked about, mm. obviously a high conflict divorce. went. Um, what what what. What do you suggest when that who's moving out? In a really high conflict divorce, you may have to move your, you may have to be the one to move. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you may move without 
much notice to the other party. Yeah. You've, you've got to be safe, okay? And and same with, I'm guessing, controlling and manipulative. That oh, you just, yes. You want to definitely just get out yep. of there because what it seems to be a, a thing where they feel more comfortable to do stuff in a house that used to belong to them. I think that's right. I think that's right. And and some women need, it's usually women, and yes. let's not sugarcoat it, domestic violence is usually... Yeah, I do know some men that have had domestic but yes. I do, it is, but, yeah. it, but it's 80% women. But some people feel happier and safer in perhaps a small gated community in yeah. the short term. In the high conflict and controlling ones. In the high conflict ones. and controlling ones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, the, and, and you know, sometimes with the high conflict, it can settle down and, and over the years you yes. can go back to that. But if you're in that, you've just got to safer to get out. And, mm. and, and that's, as I said before, if, just think in the short term, what do you need to make you happy yeah. and comfortable? while you deal with all this other stuff you need somewhere where you can go home at night shut the door and just have a break yeah and what about the avoidant type of divorce where your partner just doesn't want to but you've you've told them you're separating you told them the horrible news you they just don't want a bar of it they don't want to even discuss who leaves who moves Mm -hmm. what do you do with Uh, that well it's a bit counterintuitive but Mm. i think first thing is you need to leave yeah uh, and then when they realise it's really over, mm-hmm. then is the time that you can have this conversation with them right. and work out who wants the house. And, and you know, many times an avoidant person doesn't want to live in the house that reminds them hmm. of things. So, do you know, or it might need to be sold. Do you know, if someone, sometimes you've left, the avoidant person stays in the house and it's like they... They kind of rust on into the house. Freeze in time. Yep, freeze and in time. That's they their life stop. for the rest of that's their it. life. Well, then they don't maintain and they don't want to pay you out um, or they can't afford to pay you out. And then really that's when you have to get an order for the house to be sold. Okay. And the court, like I said, if the other person is really avoidant and is absolutely not having in the bar of it, you can still do all the things that you need to do because the registrar of the court can sign documents on their behalf once an order's made. Mm. So so you'll, you'll sometimes see on an order, you know, that the par- the parties will do all acts and things to sell the property at and they'll list it with this agent and it'll be an auction so we'd have all of the clauses and then you, you have. But if either of them doesn't sign it, then the registrar of the court will sign on their behalf. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. So you don't have to go chase them down with a PI oh, to get them to sign it. Many years ago, I had someone whose husband had got up to a, a huge property in the Northern Territory. And every time I rang to talk to this bloke, oh, he's not here. Oh, <laughs> so, but in the end, the registrar signed the documents oh. and we were able to sell the house. Oh, and thank deal. goodness for registrar. Yes. That's a good yes. thing. Yep. Yay, the court's, Yay, the registrar. court's positive. Yes. Yay for 106A <laughs> of the Family Law Act. <laughs> I love that you know that off by heart. That's... Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> okay, so so I think we've covered basically a really important question when you're mm. sitting there, you've told them, and then you're like, who's moving out? Mm-hmm. And like you've said, I think, if I can summarise, I think it's, Thinking short term, you know, to start off with, yep. baby steps. You don't need to make epic life decisions. And it's the worst time to be making life Absolutely. decisions. Absolutely. Do not make epic are, life decisions when just you are, <laughs> When you are in that state, um, whether mm-hmm. you're the one who's leaving or not, 
I think it's just a holding pattern to keep you happy and safe. Um, and so if you're the one who has to move out, don't make, don't, you know, go buy something instantly, just be sensible and, yep. and just, just think about it clearly. And obviously the, the pros of staying in the place is great. If you get to keep all those little bits that, you know, you don't mm. want to have to go around buying again, but also you've got to pay for the electricity and the and, gas and the rates and the mortgage. And, and depending on your personality, and depending on the state of the house, those bits could be a burden. I mean, I've heard of properties um, out west where, you know, what, what what's a woman going to do with a shed full of car parts? Yeah. And for that matter, what, who wants that shed full of well, car parts? Well, look, there's probably lots of women, mother, <laughs> that like car parts. Car parts? I, I've yet to meet any. I, I'm sure there are lots of women out there, but you're right. Like, you could be stuck with a shed full of stuff that you don't well, want. Or a sewing room full of quilting oh, equipment. Oh, okay. that's right. Or a room full of... I don't know. Rock collection. Stamps. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I get I get the point. So yeah. I know it's a hard decision, but um, if, if you know, what m- mum's been through and, and everybody I yep. know who's been through it, you, you've just literally just got to think a month or three months ahead at a time just yep. to get yourself through that hard bit. Yep. And then once you come out for air, you've gone through the really crazy emotional ride. And even if you are the one that is leaving, it's still going to be, it's, it's going to throw you off the track because your life has completely changed because you're not with the person you've been with for a long time That's right. or a short time or whoever, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to throw you off and everything's going to be different. It's going to be hard. But if you just get yourself through that first couple of months Mm. And then, then so, you can get better. Laura, I always think, uh, I mean, the, it's 12 months from the day you separate that you can get a divorce. Mm. Okay, so you can file your application for divorce one month, uh, one year and one day after. And when the Act was written, uh, it, re- it replaced uh, the Matrimonial Causes Act years ago, so this is the 1975 Act, replaced one where blame was to be attributed. There were, you know, cruelty <laughs> or desertion. Oh, my goodness. And you had to prove Desertion? That. Yes, you had to prove it. So now the oh. only grounds for divorce is that the marriage has irretrievably broken down, or, the, yeah, marriage yeah. has, and the only evidence the court wants is that you've been separated for 12 months. But that 12 months, I don't think they came about that arbitrarily Mm. I really have seen in my practice that people need to go through their first Mother's Day apart their first children's birthdays apart first First Christmas Christmas apart Father's Day apart and get over that wedding anniversary or whatever anniversary it is It, it takes a year for you to really start to be looking to the future properly so yeah. so this short-term arrangements they're good for you yeah yeah and the, and the divorce is like a certificate to say you got through it yeah you, you that's got, congratulations yeah. you've survived the year you yeah. know and and look and if you've got an amicable partner when yes. you're deciding who's moving out you you could choose to help you know pack everything up and I've of heard course. of people go in and help the other out to pack up and get it ready for mm-hmm. sale but you know you're going to make sure that you know that's Yes. what your relationship can achieve. Of course, as a lawyer, I'm usually seeing the people who don't really get along. Yes. Uh, unless they've sorted things out and then come and say, okay, 
I'm ready now for you to do a consent order we've worked it out. Yeah. But and obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not in an amicable relationship because yeah. you might not need one. I don't know. But well, you might be hoping yeah. <laughs> to be amicable. Yes. And, and time does sort of heal. That year, the other person has that year as well. And, yeah. and everyone gets their equilibrium yeah. reestablished. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mum, for giving us your pointers on who moves out and who moves <laughs> in and who stays where. And, um, you know, there's, there's a whole nother episode on like what happens Mm. with children um and obviously we'll deal with that another day but you know this is the 101 basics right at the big get go and and we thank you guys for listening if you've got any questions you'd like to send in we can answer um and once again if you are interested in in the step-by-step the checklist and the videos um and our guide that takes you through the whole process uh, all you need to check out is the divorce course and um you can get all that information and we'll help you out. Thank you, Mum, for sharing all your brains with us. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. I think we'll have a cup of tea. I think so too. <laughs> Thank you. See ya. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording in 2020.